You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your guaranteed authentic tickets from theticketking.com, a longtime trusted source and local Green Bay business. Just go to PackersTalk.com slash tickets for more information and ticket links. That's PackersTalk.com slash tickets. Talking Pack. We've officially covered the offense. Let's move over to the other side of the ball for the Green Bay Packers. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room. In my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here with part three of my annual Looking Back, Looking Ahead series, where I take one last look back at the year that was for the Green Bay Packers and take my first real look at the offseason that lies ahead. First two parts of this series, again, focused on the offense. Hope you had a chance to check those out. Hope you enjoyed them as well. Even if you didn't, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter, right? I'm going to keep going anyways. (laughs) I've already committed to it. i got to see this thing through to the end, even if you hate it. Uh, In part three today, I'm going to begin looking at the defense, specifically the front seven. Remember, the Packers will be a 4-3 team next season now. At least it sure feels that way. So this will look a little different for sure. Then at the start of next week, we'll shift to the secondary slash special teams. That will be the finale. Again, quick refresher. What I do here is I go through the three units on the team, Position by position, talking about how those groups did, and breaking down the play of key members of those groups. There's also some contract stuff, who's headed for free agency, or who's maybe headed for an extension, things like that. And then maybe I'll sprinkle in some free agency stuff, guys from other teams who may be available. And possibly, perhaps, if you're lucky, even a little draft stuff. Not a ton of draft stuff, mind you, as it's still incredibly early in that process, at least for me. But, you know, maybe a little, yeah. I think it's fair to expect some of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't think I've mentioned this yet on the show. I mean, I know I haven't. But the Packers, a couple weeks back, announced some of the deets, the details for their search for the next leader of the organization. Mark Murphy, as you most likely know by now, will retire in July 2025, as that's when he turns 70, which is the mandatory retirement age for the gig as per the bylaws of the club. They'll have a search committee. They'll be aided by Corn Ferry, the national search firm that they've worked with on a bunch of stuff. In fact, that's the firm that helped them settle on Murphy way back in 2007. So now's as good a time as any, why not, to announce my candidacy for the job. Very excited about this. I've got my resume prepped. The references are all lined up. I'm ready to rock. In fact, look, I know they're saying There will be a search, and most think that current chief operating officer and general counsel Ed Policy is the favorite to land the gig. I know that's what most are saying, but to me, it's a mere formality that the job will be mine. Congrats to me! Yes, I'm very excited about this. I've got some big ideas for the organization when I take over, too. You can bet your ass on that. 
I've got a four-point plan that I will be running on. Are you ready? One, my fellow Packers fans, I'm going to lower beer prices by approximately $4 a beer. $12 or whatever it is now, it's too much. It's just too much. Now, you may think that will cost us money, but in fact, if we lower the prices, we're going to sell more, and I believe we will make more in profits. Plus, that should help us make Lambo louder, which is great. Two, if you are able to stand, you must stand and make noise at all key defensive moments in the game at Lambeau. The days of half the joints sitting on their butts on third downs in the third quarter are over. Penalties will be strictly enforced as well, believe you me. Three, the wave. It's gone for the most part. It will be outlawed unless it is the fourth quarter. The Packers are on defense. No more doing the wave while they're on offense. Defense only. And the team is up at least 21 points. Otherwise, the wave is a no-go. Again, penalties, yes, they will be strictly enforced. And then, finally, I guarantee this to you. We will have an absolutely kick-ass concert at Lambeau in my honor, welcoming me to the team. Hooray me! It will be called Lampapalooza. And it will feature the Foo Fighters, ACDC, and Metallica. My gift to you, my fellow Packers fans, you're welcome. And no Bears fans will be allowed at the concert. None. Yeah, I feel good about this. Yeah, should be hearing from them any day now. Any day now, the old phone's going to start ringing. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for the gig. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, all right. Before we get into the fun, and how could you not be having fun already? I've already talked about Lempapalooza, Lempsapalooza. I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love, or at the very least tolerate. Twitter, I don't care what it's called now. It'll always be Twitter to me. Lemps, M-K-E, at It's Just Chris Now. The Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, O-L Bag of Donuts. I'm on Instagram. Search for Lemps Talk and Pack and look for my logo, which is the green donut that I know you all love so damn much. I got to get my numbers boosted there. Come on. I think I still only have 80 followers on Instagram. Come on. I know more of you are on an, I know more of you are on Instagram than that. So give me a follow. Come on. I got I got rookie numbers. I got I gotta put my numbers up. The email, old bag of donuts, OL bag of donuts. Once again, OL bag of donuts at gmail.com. You know, I know it's the offseason now, but you can still drop me a line. What do you think of the show? What do you think the Packers are gonna do in the offseason? I'd love to hear from all of you. For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars. Me like you those the most. Four are good too. A comment, huh? If it's positive, that'd be great. Uh, you can find us on Spotify by searching for Packers Talk and looking for our logo, which again is new now. Oh yeah, we have a new logo. It is no longer the head of the Vince Lombardi statue, which sits outside Lambeau Field, but rather a set of yellow goalposts with a green background. And then it says PackersTalk.com on the bottom. Yellow goalposts, green background, PackersTalk.com on the bottom. Pretty darn snazzy if you ask me. And if you're listening as a subscriber on Spotify, which let's be honest, you should be, remember to leave a rating at the top. Right at the top, there's a box with a star. Click on it, five. We like those the most. Four are good too. Remember, it all helps with the algorithm. I say it every time. So let's just say it again. You know, someone's out there... They don't know about Packers talk, but they're a Packers fan. They're listening to Packers podcasts. I'm kind of tired of the same old, same old. I want something new. The more ratings we get, the better ratings we get, the more likely it is that when they're searching for Packers podcasts, our little operation comes up. 
They go, hey, Packers talk. What's this about? Then they check it out. They go, oh, these guys and gals are great. I freaking love them. I'm going to tell everybody I know. And that's how that works, at least I think. <laughs> We're on the iHeartRadio app as well. And as always, if you listen on a platform I don't mention, please let me know what it is. I'd love to know. And just subscribe. Mindlessly mash down on that subscribe button, whatever platform you use. It's free. It's free. You can be cheap and still get Packers talk. You know? It doesn't cost you anything. Mindlessly mash down on that subscribe button, then we deliver the shit right to you. We have five podcasts now. They're all fire. So if you subscribe, you don't have to go searching. It's there. You'll wake up. I'm there. You'll wake up. She said radio's there. You know, the Packers Weekly guys are there. The Packers Therapy guys are there. No Huddle Radio. They're there. They're all there. We'll deliver it right to you. We are the dealers. We'll give you everything you need. Speaking of ACDC, it's all there. Just hit that subscribe button. Sounds like a great deal, right? I sure as hell think so. Okay, now that we done got all that out the way, let's go. Let's really dive in here. Let's really start talking about this Packers defense. Oh, shit. I completely forgot to grab a beer for this. I just realized. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, baby. One last Keweenaw Brewing Company pickaxe blonde that I purchased on my way up to Marquette. At Thanksgiving, the night before Thanksgiving, somehow it still tastes pretty good. Again, I paid for it, so there was no way I wasn't going to finish it. I'm finishing it, and yeah, it still tastes pretty good. still hits the spot. Um, Again, a new-look defense under new defensive coordinator Jeff Halfley. One that it sure, again, as of now, it sure seems like it's going to feature a 4-3 front instead of the old 3-4 front. The front Green Bay had used since 2009. So, what better place to start than by talking about the new look defensive line? Let's start at defensive end. While we don't have any official word from head coach Matt LaFleur or anyone else in the organization yet, because there hasn't been any kind of press conference or anything to introduce Halfley, which, gotta say, is a little odd, but whatever. It sure seems like outside linebackers slash edge guys were Sean Gary, Lucas Van Ness, Preston Smith, Kingsley and Igbari and Brenton Cox Jr. will all be transitioning to the defensive end spot next season, playing with their hand in the dirt as opposed to lining up, standing up on the edge. So that's how I'm going to categorize them for the purposes of this show. Apologies in advance if I end up being wrong on that. I'm just going off the information we have available, and all the information sure seems to point to Green Bay being a 4-3 team going forward. Um, So this group, Gary, Van Ness, Smith, and Igbari... Cox Jr., they all, to me, seem to have the requisite size to play the position in today's NFL. So at least as far as that goes, they should be okay. Let's start with the headliner here, and that's Gary, who just turned 26 in December. He's coming off a nice 2023 season. Just pull up some stats here. Led the team in sacks with nine. 44 total tackles. Seven tackles for loss. Led the team in QB hits with 22. He also had two fumbles forced, two passes defended, and two fumble recoveries in 17 regular season games with 13 starts. Um, Was on a pitch count to start the year, coming off the ACL tear in November 2022, then got up to his regular snap counts as we went along. And Gary was just really strong throughout the year, you know, dominant at times, overwhelming at times, really, like the New Orleans game early in the year. And then the Detroit game on Thanksgiving, for examples. Now, I know 
Some people will point to the fact that he had no sacks over the team's final seven games. And yeah, I'll admit, that's not necessarily awesome. Especially considering the four-year, $96 million contract extension he signed in late October. You'd love to see a few more sacks for that kind of contract. But I still feel like Gary was consistently affecting plays, altering plays, getting pressures, making QBs uncomfortable, that kind of thing. I do think sacks are overrated to some degree. But yeah, having said that, again, it would be nice to see him finish a few more plays. Sure, of course. I mean, who wouldn't want that also? Regardless, I still think he's a top 10 pass rusher in the game, and I'm really excited to see how he does at the end. Remember, he played exclusively as a D lineman at Michigan, so I think he'll be fine making the shift. I think he's going to boost his numbers a little bit playing there, in fact. Yeah, still extremely high on Rashawn Gary, no doubt about it. And I can't wait to see what Lucas Van Ness does in year two. He, like Gary, has experience playing on the line as he split time between edge and D-line in college at Iowa. So I think he'll be comfortable making the change as well. As for his rookie year, you know, it went about as expected, at least for me anyway. Uh, Van Ness, 17 games, no starts, 32 total tackles, 4 sacks, 8 tackles for loss, 10 QB hits, 1 pass defended. Bit of a slow start, but just got better and better as the season went on, you know? Had four sacks over Green Bay's final eight games. He was getting after the QB more consistently and was really strong against the run as well. Really liked what he did in the run game. You just noticed him more and more as things went on, you know? Real, I'm really high on him. I think he's going to be big time, big, big, big time. There just aren't, said this on the show when he was drafted, said it several times during the season, both on the show and on Twitter, There just aren't many guys with his size, his power, his athleticism, his closing speed. He's truly one of these freaks, you know? And he doesn't turn 23 until July. So yeah, I think he and Gary are going to be quite the tandem for a while to come. Yeah, no doubt. We go from a young dog to one of the oldest dogs on the team, and that's Preston Smith, who, like Gary and Van Ness, has some experience as a DN, played there his rookie year in Washington. And when I say he's one of the oldest dogs on the team, I do not mean that, that as a dig either. As Preston, you know, it's funny. Every year, people start bringing up the possibility that he's maybe in his final year in Green Bay. And every year, he just goes out there and gets it done and shows he's a guy you simply have to hang on to. You simply have to. Last season, Smith, 48 total tackles, 8 sacks, second on the team behind only Gary. 21 QB hits, again, behind only Gary. Um, two fumbles forced, four passes defended. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, and he has that, you know, he's just consistently really strong, you know, and he has that ability to dial it up and get to the quarterback when it's really needed, which is great. Um, and I think he's quietly one of the main leaders on that defense. So yeah, fully expect Preston to be back next season. Now he does turn 32 in November. So he's probably a year to year proposition at this point. And his cap number is just over $16.5 million next year, so I wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay works that, reworks that somehow, some way. But he will be back, yeah, I'm sure of that, which is great. Uh, Kingsley and Igbare will also be back, though we probably won't actually see him on the field until, say, six weeks or so into the 2024 season. As Enigbare, as you probably remember, tore his ACL in the playoff win over Dallas. Maybe he surprises us and comes back before that, but I don't know. To me, it feels like he'll be a pup guy to begin the year. Yeah. Such a tough break for him, too, because I thought he quietly took his game up a notch in year two. Maybe not statistically. 
His stats didn't really jump up that much. I do have that. Uh, 37 tackles total, 8 tackles for loss, 6 QB hits, 2 sacks, 1 fumble forced, 1 fumble recovery, 1 pass defended. So yeah, again, not a huge statistical jump, but I felt like you noticed him more, you know, felt like he was altering stuff more both against the run and the pass. And I love the energy he brings to the defense. He really brings an intensity that I like in that reserve role. Um, hopefully he can bounce back from this injury because he had really solidified himself as the number four edge guy before that. So yeah, hopefully he can come back. Enigbari's injury could open the door for Cox Jr. Perhaps he was an undrafted guy out of Florida who kind of came out of nowhere during training camp. Really flashed during the preseason. So much so that he made the 53-man roster. And stuck all season, so the team must like him, right? Now, he didn't actually record any stats last season, seeing action in a handful of games. But again, you saw his athleticism really pop last summer, you know? He showed he could be a playmaker, and I'm interested to see what happens with him in year two. I still think they may have something there. Yeah, definitely. I don't really see the team doing anything here in free agency, but it seems likely they target a DN somewhere in the draft. Smith is, as I said a minute ago, basically a year-to-year proposition at this point. And who knows what Enigbare will look like coming off the injury. So looking into the future, that leaves just Gary and Van Ness as guys you you really feel good about long-term there. So yeah, I think they will take a DN in the draft. I don't see it happening on night one. But with four day two picks, as of now, it definitely could happen then. You know, someone like, say, Oregon's Brandon Dorless or Western Michigan's Marshawn Neeland. Both are guys I could see fitting in well in Green Bay, like those two. Um, they could hold off until day three also, but yeah, I'm almost sure they'll come out of the draft with at least one new defensive end. Yeah, definitely. Let's move inside on the line now and talk about the D-tackles for the pack. I really like this group. Really like how they kind of came together as the season went along. There's a nice mix of youth and experience, and I think these guys are going to be just fine moving to the 4-3 scheme. In fact, I think it's going to really suit them well. Obviously, the headliner here, Kenny Clark. What an outstanding 2023 season turned in by Kenny freaking Clark. Oh my goodness. Kenny was great last year. 17 and a half, or excuse me, 17 and a half, whoa. Seven and a half sacks. There we go. Seven and a half sacks. Um, third on the team behind Gary and Smith. 44 total tackles. Nine tackles for loss. I believe that was tops on the team, right? Yes, tops on the team in tackles for loss. Um... 16 QB hits. Again, third on the team behind Gary and Smith. Um, What else? Two fumbles, fours, three passes defended. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. His most consistent season yet, by far. You know, Kenny's always been really good. But if he's had a drawback, it's been that he could disappear for stretches. You know, he could disappear for games at a time. That didn't really happen this past season. He was just a real difference maker damn near every week. Both, again, against the run and the pass. And you know what's crazy? This is crazy to me. He's still only 28 years old, somehow. Turns 29 in October. Feels like he should be in his mid-30s by now. He's been in Green Bay so long. But then he was drafted at, I believe, 15, so it makes sense. I'm kidding. He wasn't that young. But he was extremely young. Um, And he showed he's still got plenty left in the tank, you know? He's entering the final year of his contract next season. But have no fear... I'm 100% sure Green Bay is going to give him an extension at some point during the offseason. Maybe something like three years, $65 million, something along those lines, which would both lower his cap number next season, set to be just a shade under <laughs> $27.5 million, 
and make sure he's in Green Bay for at least a few more years to come, which would be awesome. Definitely think that's going to happen. I haven't seen too many people talking about that, but I definitely think it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Makes too much sense. We move now to the other likely starter at D-Tackle next season, and that's Devontae Wyatt. Okay, Wyatt in 20... Let me pull up his stats here. I got that. My computer's being a shit. Here we go. In 2023, Wyatt, in almost every category, saw his statistical output go way up. Tackles. Total tackles. From 15 to 36. Tackles for loss. From 0 to 6. QB hits. 3 to 11. Sacks. 1.5 to 5.5. That's awesome. So, yeah. You know? Um... That's great. Those jumps are great. And for sure, you noticed Wyatt much more than you did his rookie season, both against the run and the pass. So that's awesome. That's a major positive. But I still think Wyatt was a little too inconsistent for my liking last year. Too many stretches where he completely disappeared from games to the point where you forgot he was even playing. And I think he's better than that, more talented than that. I want to see him iron that part of his game out heading into year three. And make no mistake, Wyatt absolutely has the talent and ability to do that, to be a consistent game wrecker every week or most weeks, exactly like Kenny Clark. He's the total package as far as skill set goes. And if he can be more consistent, oh man, look out for real. He turns 26 in March, which is crazy, right? Think about this. Wyatt will be 26 heading into year three, and Kenny will be 28 headed into year 17. I'm kidding. (laughs) It's actually year nine for Kenny, but... 26 for Wyatt going into year three, 28 for Kenny going into year nine. That difference is wild to me. Um, So again, yeah, I really like where Wyatt is at. Thought he made a really nice jump in year two. And I think he can do, I think he can make another nice jump next season. Next season, you know, I want to see a little more next year. He has it in him. I'm sure of it. We move now to literally the biggest member of the Green Bay D-line. And that's TJ Slayton, who stands at a massive 6'4", 330 pounds. Slayton, you know what? I think Slayton quietly took another decent jump in year three, which, hey, how does a guy that big do anything quietly? Am I right? (laughs) I kid. But yeah, Slayton, uh, let's see. I do have his stats. Pull those up. What the heck? Wrong link. Whoop, whoop. Slayton. Here you go. 50 total tackles. Two tackles for loss, two QB hits, two passes defended, no sacks, fumbles forced, or fumble recoveries. Um, But I thought he showcased his power a lot better this past season. Felt like he was really altering run plays more than he had during his first two seasons, for example. Now, he still needs to be more consistent. But if 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 he can do that, if he can become more consistent, he can be an every week difference maker. I really believe that. I think he's actually close to being that now. He just needs to get over that final hump, right? Now, he'll never be a big stats guy. That's not his forte. His main thing, as it usually is for men his size, is his ability to open things up for his teammates. And I really like this 4-3 switch for him. I feel like the 4-3 switch may really help him, you know, fully realize his potential, his promise. Let's talk about someone who exceeded any expectations we could have possibly had for them, and that's Carl Brooks. I truly do not believe it's hyperbole to say this. When we look back on the 2023 NFL draft, one of the biggest takeaways we'll have, and I don't just mean Packer fans, I mean football fans in general. One of the biggest takeaways we'll have is 
How the hell did Carl Brooks last until the sixth round? Really an outstanding rookie season for Carl Brooks. Um, 20 total tackles, four sacks, six tackles for loss, five QB hits, four passes defended, one fumble forced, two fumble recoveries. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the numbers are great, but as usual, the stats don't tell the full story. Brooks was just outstanding. Just constantly in on stuff, you know? Pressuring QBs, blowing up run plays. He just has a nose for the football. That much is clear. Wins with power, but can win by blowing past O-linemen as well. Like Van Ness, I cannot wait to see what he does in year two. I think the Packers got themselves a potentially special player here. I really believe that. Moving on to the other rookie on Green Bay's D-line last season, and that's fourth-round pick Colby Wooden. Wooden, 17 total tackles, a half a sack, one tackle for loss, two QB hits. Um, Plus, of course, he had the blocked field goal at the end of the first half in the San Francisco playoff game. Obviously, the numbers for Wooden aren't as impressive as they were with Brooks, but that's okay. I think Wooden showed some flashes last year that he can become a solid contributor to this group. Felt like he noticed him more as the season went along, both in terms of playing the run and the pass, which is good. Uh, I'm excited to see what kind of jump he makes in year two. I don't know if he'll ever be a starter or anything, but again, those flashes I saw gave me hope for his future. Yeah, I think he can be, you know, kind of quietly a key rotational guy for that D-line. Absolutely. For those D-tackles. Um, I can't see Green Bay targeting anyone in free agency here. As for the draft... <sighs> I don't know. Part of me feels like this group could maybe add one more potentially big-time player, you know, in order to really pop off, to really take this into the stratosphere. And then another part of me feels like this group is already going to be pretty damn strong as is, so maybe use that draft capital elsewhere. But if they do target a D-lineman somewhere early in the draft, there are two guys I'm keeping an eye on as of now. The first is Michigan's Chris Jenkins. Yes, the son of former All-World D-Tackle, also named Chris Jenkins. It's just crazy how old I'm getting. Guys who I watched in college, which doesn't feel like that long ago for me, now have kids in the league, or kids who are coming into the league. Make it stop, damn it. Make time stop, please. <laughs> uh, Jenkins, kind of a freakish athlete, very strong. Feels like someone who could be an immediate difference maker, a potentially big-time player. Probably a, a probably a round two guy, maybe round three, but probably round two for him. Um, and then speaking of big, <laughs> few D linemen have ever been bigger than Texas's Tavondre Sweat. 6'4". Now, I've seen him listed at 340 pounds. I've seen him listed at 362 pounds. Whatever he is, he is big. I mean, that is a house with arms and legs right there, folks. Just an old school, plug me in the middle of the line, Watch me eat up blocks and open things up for everyone else type of cat. The type that, if you've listened to any of the draft shows I've done in years past, you know I've been clamoring for Green Bay to get. For years now, I've wanted the Packers to get this type of guy. Now, you may be saying, but Lamps, isn't Slayton that kind of guy? Yes, he is. But Sweat, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to Slayton because you just heard me say I like Slayton. Sweat is Slayton with a much higher ceiling. There's much more potential there to me. And again, I like Slayton, so that's saying a lot. And imagine, just imagine if you can, a 4-3 front with Sweat and Slayton in the middle. Holy shit. That's what? 670 to 690 pounds? 
of human being in the middle of that line. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> Good luck, opponents. Um, and it would certainly make life a hell of a lot easier for Green Bay's linebackers. And what do you know? That happens to be the next position up for discussion here. Damn fine transition, Lamps. Damn fine. Thank you, Lamps. So much is up in the air with this group as of now. Now, if you listen to part one, you know that I talked about how excited I am for Quay Walker moving to the weak side linebacker spot. I have to be honest, that's just my theory as of now, really. I can't say for certain that's where he'll be. Maybe he becomes the middle linebacker. Maybe he's, maybe he's even moved to the strong side. I do know, though, that I hope he becomes the weak side backer because I really think that spot would showcase everything Quay can do from a playmaking standpoint. Let's look at his stats from last season. Quay. Led the team in tackles with 118 total. Seven tackles for loss. Five QB hits. Two and a half sacks. Three passes defended. One interception. So, I thought his stats were okay. I think his stats have been okay over his first two seasons. The thing is, I really feel like being a 3-4 inside backer I don't think we've seen the full array of what Quay Walker can do yet, you know? It always felt to me like he was a little stifled playing there. You know what I'm saying? Being the will linebacker, the weak side guy in the 4-3, though, I think that would allow him to blitz more and really become a force getting after the quarterback. Joe Barry just didn't blitz him as much as he should have. But when he did, I mean, wow, you could really see just what a freak athlete Quay is. This dude is a freak athlete. Don't forget that, you know? This would allow more of that. And you'd see him getting out covering pass plays in the flat, things like that, more as well, which I think he'd excel at. Again, hopefully this is where he ends up. And I still believe Quay Walker, you know, I still believe in him. I still think he can be a big-time player. I don't think we've seen everything he can do yet. And I think moving to the weak side spot would really make that happen. It would kind of really unlock him to the fullest. At least that's my opinion. So if that happens, who then becomes the new middle linebacker? I think, I think Isaiah McDuffie will be getting the first crack at the job. Injuries to both Walker and Devontae Campbell. Oh, don't worry, more on Campbell in a minute. Led to a sharp uptick in playing time for McDuffie in year three, and he showed some real promise. Showed that he may be a real player on this defense. McDuffie was second on the team in total tackles with 86. Five tackles for loss, three QB hits, a half a sack. One pass defend, and that's only an eight. at 16 regular season games with eight starts. Only eight starts. So imagine what he could do as the full time guy. You know, I really like McDuffie. I like his athleticism. I think he's a strong athlete. I think he's got good smarts. He can tackle. He's an intelligent guy, and he brings kind of an old school toughness that I like. Uh, I just think this dude is built to be a middle linebacker. Yeah. Plus, I know I'm, I, I doubt I'm breaking news here, but in case you don't know this, McDuffie went to Boston College. And guess who his head coach was for his final season there? Why, that would be new Green Bay defensive coordinator Jeff Halfley. How about that? So you would think he'll have a solid understanding of this new scheme. So yeah, I think it'll be McDuffie's job. I like him. You know what's funny? He's one of those guys, I definitely noticed him during the season. But it wasn't until after the year was fully over when I was like, you know, I think they really have something in there with him. Like, you know, after the year was, you know, all the way over after the San Francisco loss, and you're kind of mulling everything over about the year in your head, he was a guy I kept thinking about going like, you know, I, I kind of really like McDuffie. I think they got a guy there. Yeah, I think he'll be the middle linebacker. Um, 
The other reason I think it's McDuffie's job to lose, I just don't see Campbell, my fellow gopher, coming back to Green Bay next season. Feels like his run there is over. So let's go over Campbell's stats. Here, I do have those. Uh, Campbell in 2023. 75 total tackles. Three tackles for loss. Two QB hits. Um, no sacks. No fumbles forced. One fumble recovery. One pass defended. No interceptions. Ugh. Those are by far the worst numbers he's put up yet in three years in Green Bay. In fact, his numbers have dropped in each of the last two years following his monster first season as a Packer, 2021, where he was voted first-team All-Pro, the year that got him his big five-year, $50 million contract that we'll be talking about in a second. He's also seen a decline in regular season games played each year in Green Bay from 16 to 13 to just 11 last season. The injuries seem to be mounting. And last season, it was, to me, increasingly obvious that he simply just lost a step. And that may be putting it lightly. You know, he's just not the same guy in any area of the game. Whether that's playing the run or covering, whatever it may be. Which, hey, he's 30 now. He'll be 31 in July. That's what happens to most guys at that point. He's played a lot of football. You know, the miles, you know, they're piling up. The tread on the tires is wearing off. Plus, you know... There was that whole thing with him on Twitter saying, and this was during the year, that he's no longer going to play through injuries because they just use that against you when you don't play well or whatever it was. I can't imagine that endeared him to the coaches, to Matt LaFleur or to his teammates at all. No, I can't. You know, again, it just, it feels over for him. It does. He's got a cap number of just over 14, oh my God, 14.2 million next season, which, I mean, come on, come on, come on. Key in there is the $2.9 million roster bonus he's owed on March 15th. So what is that, the third day of the new league year? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's just no way they're paying him that. My best guess as of now is that Green Bay will release him before that roster bonus is due, and they will designate it as a post-June 1st cut, which will allow for cap savings of just over $10.5 million, with a dead cap number of just over $3.6 million. Otherwise, if they cut him as a pre-June 1st guy, they only saved just over $2.6 million with a dead cap number of just over $11.6 million. Ouch. Now, I suppose it is possible that he could agree to a massive pay cut, dropping his base salary next year from $6.95 million to something like, I don't know, $1.5 million. That's, I guess that's, you can't totally rule that out, but I don't know. It just feels like it's better to make a clean break now. Man, I hate gopher on gopher crime. I hate to do this to my fellow gopher. But I have to be honest, you know? Honesty above all else here, right? And that just feels like the best route to take with Campbell. Yeah. Just feels like it's best to move on. Now, if they do that, that will leave them rather thin at linebacker as they'll only really have Walker, McDuffie, and Eric Wilson on the roster. Now, I know Wilson is set for unrestricted free agency, but I assume he'll be brought back as he's freaking outstanding on special teams. Eric Wilson is an outstanding special teams player. And he showed last year he's actually a fairly decent backup linebacker as well. But even if Wilson comes back, they still don't have an in-house option for that third linebacker spot on the strong side. No, they don't. Luckily for Green Bay, This appears to be a pretty good year to need a linebacker in the draft. And I'm expecting the Packers to take at least one, if not two linebackers in the draft. And I'm almost sure they'll be selecting one within the first two days. 
Now, there's some debate on this, but to me, the top option, the most exciting player available at the position is Texas A&M's Edgerin Cooper. Love this kid. 6'3", 230 pounds, so the size is there. And when you watch him, he just jumps off the screen at you. He really does. Love him. He can play the run. He can get after the passer. 17 tackles for loss last season. 17, including eight sacks. You know, he's explosive. He can cover. He really he really can do it all, in my opinion. He just pops off the screen at you. No other way to say it. Um, I'd love to see Green Bay take him in round two. I think that's where he'll go. Uh, I also love Clemson's Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Didn't we just talk about this with Chris Jenkins? I got another one. Another one whose dad I watched not that long ago. How is this? Po- How am I getting so old? I ask you. How? So Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Six <laughs> one, two hundred and ten pounds. So not quite as big as Cooper, but again, the production is there. Five and a half sacks. 15 tackles for loss last season. And he's probably a little better in coverage than Cooper, I'd say. He's also probably a round two guy. Then there's Cedric Gray, North Carolina. Dude just lights up the statistical categories. 121 tackles, five sacks, 11 tackles for loss, four passes defended, two fumbles forced, and a partridge in a pear tree. Okay, maybe not that last one. But yeah, ridiculous numbers. Probably a round three or round four guy. Same for Peyton Wilson from UNC's rival, North Carolina State. Um, The production is there in abundance with him as well. Uh, But he's had some injury stuff, and he'll need to check out there. But if, you know, all the injury stuff looks good, he could be a round three or round four guy like Wilson. Then there's Jalen Ford from Texas. There's Junior Colson from Michigan. I like both those guys as well. Again, probably in that same range as Gray and Wilson. And those are just some of the names available in April. I'm sure more will emerge for me once I really dive in and really start studying these guys. And I can't wait. I know I'm going to be devoting a lot of time to that to that position as far as my draft research this year. I already feel comfortable saying that. Which is fine. I love studying linebackers. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Um, yeah, the Packers will definitely have options there in the draft, which is great. And again, I fully expect Green Bay to take at least two linebackers in the draft. And if they do that, then those two rookies plus Walker, McDuffie, and Wilson, that would give them five guys there, which that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, so that just about wraps up part three of the series. Hope you all enjoyed listening as much as I did recording it. Always a blast. And you know, again, I know they've got some holes to fill and there will be bumps in the road as they adjust to the new scheme, but I really am excited about this new defense. No, I think once everyone gets adjusted and provided Brian Gutekunst can make the right additions, yeah, I think this defense can be pretty damn good. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to see what Halfley brings to the table. Yeah, it's gonna be good, I think. Um, Again, as stated near the top of the show, part four of the series, the grand finale, talking about the secondary and the special team should be available sometime early next week, the plan as of now. Of course, as I always say, it's always kind of subject to change around these parts, but I feel pretty good about being able to hit that goal, yeah. So keep your eyes and your ears open for that one, and yes, I'll keep you posted. And can I just say again, I've really, you know, we're, we're three three episodes in now to the series. I've really enjoyed doing these. I, I've, really, I've had a lot of, I hope you've all enjoyed this because this has been a blast to do. And I hope that's coming across and I hope you're all enjoying it. Um, Yeah, good stuff. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lampasis. This here has been Lamp's Talk and Pack. 
Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Please stay safe out there in this crazy world. And remember, always and forever, go Pack Go. Go.